This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and nine-year NFL veteran Rob Fredrickson. It is often said players make their biggest jump from year one to year two. Does that apply to coaches? And specifically, head coach Jonathan Gannon, who was hired one year and one week ago. Yes, you want to see more in the way of wins. Gannon mentioned that after the season ended on his postseason presser. And yes, that's where everyone will look first. How many more wins does a head coach get? Because 4-13 and is just not going to cut it in 2024. But to someone who played the game, Rob... Can you see improvements not only on the field but off the field when it comes to the head coach, the coaching staff, and maybe even the front office as well? Oh, absolutely. You know, a player, like you mentioned in the opening, the biggest um, the biggest ascension you see is, is from that rookie season to the second season. And a lot of that is just due to that, that rookie season is, is both a whirlwind and an eternity at the same time, if that makes sense. I mean, it, 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 things are happening so fast and, and so much is being thrown at you, and yet the season drags on. It feels like forever. You hit that, that rookie wall, everyone hits it. Um, but the best players, the players that, that do make that transition and become successful football players are the ones that uh, in that offseason really understand what it takes to be successful in this league. Uh, that's that. A lot of that has to do with uh, you know latching on to a to a veteran and and uh, finding somebody, finding a mentor, and and really learning the ways of the NFL, both in in terms of taking care of your body and and uh, also doing some self evaluation. I think the same thing goes for coaches. Um, you know, Jonathan Gannon. I think he did a lot of good things his his first season. But there's a lot of things that he's going to look back on and he's going to learn from and he's going to understand. He's going to look at other coaches. He's going to reach out to other coaches and, and uh, you know, really put together what he, what he believes is going to be the, the, the set of tools that will best help him be a, a better coach for this team going forward. It's interesting to see Seattle. Seattle's the uh, new Arizona. They get a first-time head coach, 36 years of age, really young. First-time coordinators, right? First-time D.C., first-time O.C., so interesting what Seattle is doing right now. It sort of replicates what the Cardinals did last offseason with Jonathan Gannon, who there's no doubt established his expectations, really put his culture into the foundation right of this, and they had accountability that the owner Michael Bidwell cited in making the coaching change this time just over a year ago. I think we can all agree being around this team and seeing the way they played that was established, that accountability. I had a friend of mine, and his family goes back to season ticket days, uh, holding him at Sundival Stadium from 1988, okay? And he's a good friend of mine, but he's wrong. He's wrong when he said, when he said, you know what? The season would have been perfect if not for the Philadelphia win. Because that Philadelphia win 
cost the Cardinals the number two pick. No, that's the wrong answer. Because to go into Philadelphia and set down that sort of win and that's establish that sort of physicality and send that sort of message, and then that engenders that sort of buy-in from that locker room, and they know the process is working, and they can believe in the coaches, and they see, okay, this is what happens if you follow everything that the coaching staff and the GM is preaching. And then to have a second half like Kyla Murray put out there, three touchdown passes in the second half, and to beat Philadelphia and have all the Eagles fans turn on their own team and boo their own head coach leaving the field when it started off when they had the ire of Jonathan Gannon, their former D.C. at the beginning of the game. Just the evolution over four quarters to me was something to behold. It's something that you can rest on throughout the entire offseason. So to me, that was just evidence of what has been established. Not so much expectations, but a standard. I think this head coach, this coaching staff, they have a standard. And we saw it, Rob, if you were not meeting that standard or they don't think you can handle what their standard is, well, one, you're either not going to play or you're just not going to have a uniform that says Arizona Cardinals on it. Yeah, and that's what you have to do. I mean, Jonathan Gannon did a great job of establishing that standard, changing the culture. Um, you know, not not that it was a horrible here. It wasn't like this is the worst place on earth, but – um, th- there needed to be a different voice. There needed to be a, a different uh, compass. There needed to be a different direction for this organization, for this team. And uh, I-, I think Jonathan Gannon has the team. He didn't lose the team. Could very well have happened when you when you have a season like that, when, when you're working hard and, and you're not bearing any fruit from, from all that labor. Um, it, it, it very easily, that, that messaging and that, that – uh, talk can go stale it can go on deaf ears uh, with players after a while but uh, it didn't and the players continued week after week to play hard and and um, you know to to give their all and and that to me is a sign that something is clicking and and this is catching on and um, and and the Cardinals are set up for the future late in the season Jonathan Gannon made a comment that it's a hard way to play the way I want these guys to play it's difficult not everybody buys into this sort of um, you know mindset this sort of physicality over four quarters I always like to hear what the opponent has to say after games and how many times did we say man that's a physical team when they start to get some more talent at certain key positions that's really going to pay off so I think this past season was not just a process of figuring out the coaches and getting the coaches experience but the coaches and the GM figuring out which players are on board with this which players are geared up to actually invest and buy into this sort of manner of playing and those who aren't I think you saw it was a a process throughout the entirety of the season but when they cut a guy like Marco Wilson going into that Philadelphia game you're they're still figuring out who's in who's out who needs to be on board and what else do we need going into the offseason you mentioned buy-in from day one Kyler Murray bought in to head coach Jonathan Gannon here is K1 he was here for the interview, chopped it up with him for about 15 minutes in the weight room uh, before he had to go do his thing. And I, I mean, at that moment, you know, I knew it was, in, you know, an instant as far as, okay, this guy, you know, his, his knowledge of the game and how he sees the game and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously he got the job. And from that day on, it was, you know, it was kind of like, I, I won't say when you meet your best friend, but that type of like, you know, that it was instant, you know, as far as, you know, we kind of speak the same language. And that's big because. That connection between head coach and quarterback, and I know I'm speaking to a defensive player, but that connection, that relationship might be the most important between head coach and a player in that locker room because 
this is a quarterback-driven league. I've been saying that for years. It's no secret around the league, but you need to have that buy-in from your franchise player. In this case, it's Kyler Murray. Well, you do, and and not only buy-in from your franchise player, but buy-in from the leader of the team. And that's what Kyler Murray is. That's what your quarterback is in this league. Has to be your leader. And there's been tremendous growth from Kyler Murray in that regard. I mean, he's he's leaps and bounds different from, from what he was just a couple seasons ago in terms of just his leadership and maturity. And, um, and, and for him to accept Jonathan Gannon immediately and, and to buy into what Jonathan Gannon is selling – uh, to me, that that's really what it's all about. Because as a player, you you always kind of look to your quarterback to be the leader. And and hey, okay, he's in. He's in here working out in the offseason. Never done that before. You know, he's in the in there watching film. Never done that before. I mean, I haven't seen that in the offseason. So um, when you when you're starting to see different habits from your leader, from your quarterback, that makes everybody else say, okay. Okay, this is the way. And um, that's a testament to Jonathan Gannon and to Kyler Murray. And Rob, is it out of line to say the locker room needs to believe in that quarterback? For sure. The quarterback is 1A, but then it's the locker room believing the quarterback is the guy, is 1B. Because we've seen in between star quarterbacks with the Cardinals over the last 20 years, there have been moments in time where the rest of the roster doesn't necessarily believe in the starting quarterback, and that's when you put a ceiling, shall we say, on expectations and, and what's realistic. Well, and it, it, Look, it can create splinters in that locker room when uh, it doesn't necessarily just have to be about the quarterback. It can be a particular player that, that maybe is playing but not playing great or not, not really getting it done, and yet he continues to play, and he's continued to, to keep being put out there. Players, players see that you can't, you cannot lie to the locker room. They know, they see everything, they see every film, every every play, and it's dissected multiple times. Um, you can't get anything past the players. So, uh, you know, for the for the locker room to never have lost faith in Kyler Murray, that's that's one, um, and I don't think that's that's even a discussion. Uh, Kyler is is clearly uh, QB one, and he's clearly the leader of this team. But um, you know, you can't you can't get a lot past the players. We heard from Kyler talking about his connection with Jonathan Gannon. Here's another player, Trey McBride, on the Green Light with Chris Long podcast on why he believes JG is the guy. I think just the the leadership skills that he brought, uh, what he came to do, and what he's done for us. You know, he set the culture, he's building the culture, he set the standard, and he hasn't gone away from that. He's been tremendous. He's a great leader and a guy that everyone wants to play for. He uh, brings guys with him and uh, gives us the plan and, and you know gives us the, the the blueprint to go be successful. And then we just got to go do it. He's been phenomenal as a head coach, and uh, I, I think he's the right guy for the job. And now you go into year two with Jonathan Gannon and his coaching staff. No changes, seems as we speak here on Tuesday. Everyone is coming back. And one of those coaches that is coming back, Paul, you had a chance to speak with running backs coach Autry Denson a week ago on the Big Red Rage, and he talked about something you'd mentioned earlier. Teams maybe didn't want to play the Cardinals, especially as the games wore on in the second half. Here's Coach Denson. Our guys really played hard. That's the thing that you can hang your hat on is that, man, people didn't want to play us. I mean, it was teams that – and I've, I've heard it all offseason and during the season, like, man, you guys play hard. And so that is really kudos to JG from the top down setting that mindset. But the guys, man, are really embracing it. And no matter what, you talk about 
uh, the season, the record. In it. They played. We literally played until the last play of the season. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, fighting. And that's mm-hmm. a testament. I mean, guys just really bought in. And that's difficult, Paul, because what we were talking about earlier, when the wins aren't coming, yet Gannon preaches the process more so than the results. some point, you do have to have those results, and the Cardinals did have a handful, not enough, but that did not factor into how this team played on the field for all four quarters. You had two 99-yard drives this year. I, I think that's a real illustration, real testimony to the Cardinals' mental strength to going out there. I think we first really saw it in week four at the 49ers. You're in Santa Clara, you're down 21-3, and then you fight back to make it 21-16 in the third quarter, just when everyone thought, okay, look, it's the 49ers, they're a Super Bowl favorite, it's week four, you're on the road, and the Cardinals fought back in that game, and I vividly remember the Fox sideline reporter going over and citing John Lynch, the Niners GM, late third quarter and he was down watching and he was saying how impressed he was by the Cardinals fight by the physicality obviously they weren't the more talented roster at that point but just their ability to compete in ball and then you saw that through the entirety of the year you saw that the rest of the season and once again how many times after a game if you look at the post-game comments from the other locker room Fred Warner in the rematch against the 49ers Fred Warner Cardinals lost to the Niners in that game as well but they ran for over 200 yards against the Niners defense first time anyone had done that in more than 50 games Fred Warner was at a loss to explain to the media they kept asking him how did the Cardinals actually pile up 200 rushing yards and that actually was a harbinger of things to come because that was an issue for the Niners, obviously, in the playoffs. Despite the record, Cardinals were in more games than most teams across the league. But again, you're judged by that one loss record, and it's 4-13. and That has to improve. By the way, as we head to a break here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Everyone survived Sunday without football, without NFL, because now we've got nothing, Rob, until August, training camp. Preseason football, late August. Well, my my house is cleaner. <laughs> um, dog poop was picked up. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of things sure are happening yes. around the Fredrickson household now. That's true. The seventeen year old punk pulled me into the garage, helped replace his water pump. So uh, you know, whether I liked it or not, yeah. I was more productive. <laughs> yeah. You're right. <laughs> we can thank the NFL season coming to a close for Paul's exploits under the hood. We continue here. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Murray takes, turns, handoff Connor sprinting to his left, finds some room at the 20, at the 15, loose at the 10, and into the end zone for the touchdown. James Connor from 29 yards out. That drive was all about James Connor. When you hammer the box, there's going to be a leak. And that was a huge leak from the Seattle Seahawks box. Handoff Connor off the right side across the 25-30, 35-40. He's got 1,000 at midfield and steps out there. First 1,000-yard season for James Connor. Finished with a career-high 1,040 rushing yards for James Connor. Just part of a rushing offense that finished fourth in the league and number two in rushing yards per play. As we say welcome back, it is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Rialoup, Paul Calvisi, and Rob Fredrickson. We are year-round here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network, 11 a.m. on Tuesdays, 
talking right now about the running back position, a position, at least to me, Paul, is pretty good going into this offseason considering James Conner is under contract, Michael Carter is under contract, Amari DiMercato just finished a very solid undrafted rookie season, and then you bring back Tony Jones Jr. on a futures deal. It might be a player or two that you add, but it's not a really needed position, at least from my vantage point. Yeah, if we went into training camp and this was the current roster, right, that you carry into training camp, I wouldn't be shocked. Now, it's not to say they don't add a running back on day three. You have 11 draft picks. You bring in someone to compete, definitely a free agent running back somewhere out there. But as it stands right now, if you told me this was the running back room for week one next year, it's maybe the one position group other than quarterback that I'd say, you know what? Uh, okay, let's go. Let's ball. You are set. You have those little magnets up on the board if you're Monty Austin Ford and the little depth chart up there. You know, maybe maybe not a lot of movement in, in this room, especially especially if you get an entire season under James Conner. He missed the four or five games. He had the injury. Otherwise, I mean, it was just – and maybe one of my biggest takeaways is just James Conner on the sideline. We talked about leadership in the last segment. There was a moment this year during Jonathan Gannon's TV show where I asked him the question, Paulie Pencil, like, oh, geez, how much does the team feed off the mentality of James Conner? And his answer was, I feed off James Conner. So that's how infectious and contagious it is just the sort of player and the mindset he brings and what he does for the entire team. And it's how he runs, talking about James Conner, the physicality, not being afraid of contact. And I think that's the MO for this Cardinals offense. Run first, be physical, and let's grind it out with our offense, taking those knees, victory formation at the end of games. Yeah, yeah. Look at this Cardinals offense. That running game and that running attack, especially with James Conner, that's I think that's one of the most overlooked things from from the past season. It just just gets glossed over. People don't really think about it when they think of the Cardinals. But man, they're what you said fourth in the league and in, in rushing. Um, James Conner, he's a guy that that you see defenses they will they will uh, really convert and and bring down safeties and and really get them into the box and squeeze that box. And then you see James Conner, he has the ability to bounce it out. Really did a great job this past season in terms of rushing the ball, finding those holes, being patient. Um, I think the blocking uh, blocking scheme has a, a lot to do with it, and also the play calling. Um, gone are, are some of those horizontal runs that, that we all kind of just roll our eyes and scratch our heads and um, can't stomach. You know, you're seeing more downhill. You're seeing some pin and pull. You're seeing some offensive linemen get out with, with some bad intentions and, and James Conner falling behind. Um, that that's that's what that's what you want to see. That's what gets the the sidelines fired up. That's what gets the defense guys over on the sidelines excited. Um, and you know, so I, I think that's certainly what the, this offense uh, is going to be built around is is that running game and that running attack. And then you you know you combine that with with playing solid defense. Now you got something to build on. Yeah, to Rob's point, I mean, this time a year ago, if you would have said Cardinals finished fourth in rushing yards per game, second in rushing yards per carry, over five yards a carry as a team, number one in explosive runs, 20 yards or more, number one, I didn't see that coming. I knew there would be a renewed emphasis on the run game. I didn't see that sort of success coming. You know, we had an idea it was going to be physical in training camp when we coined the term cram it vertical because that's something Jonathan Gannon said during a press conference during training camp, but... Three or last four games, you rush for more than 200 yards. 
couple of those on the road against playoff teams, that was way beyond my expectations. And it's a Cardinals running attack that finished with almost 28 carries per game each and every week. That was 13th best in the league. And, of course, it helps to have James Conner as the leader in that running back room. Running backs coach Autry Denson on James Conner. He leads by example, but he knows when to be uh, vocal. Uh, and uh, that goes back to James's uh, mother, man. He is just, like I said, we can't take any credit for James Conner. That is, uh, you talk about the whole thing, nature versus nurture. Uh, he was naturally created like that. God blessed him to be that type of leader. His environment obviously nurtured him, but, man, he is, it, I mean, what he does for us is just unexplainable, and we can't quantify how valuable it is. And don't forget about James Conner catching yeah. the football darn near the play of the year is the touchdown against the Philadelphia Eagles outstretching his arm to corral that football in a one-handed grab and that kind of gets lost and we kind of all learned a lesson Connor's first year on how prolific he was catching the football out of the backfield yeah, there's a couple of things that, uh, you know, Calvisi Consulting, the Pauly Pixian division, that we demand next year. We want two screens per game to James Conner and two screens per game to the tight end, Trey McBride. That, that's just a must. we we got to have those as a baseline. Part of the play calling, just get James Conner out there, the pass-catching ability, get some blockers in front of him, and then let him break arm tackles. And then watch as DBs take mysterious angles to the ball carrier, and he gets to the second level. Yes, it's fun to watch James Conner. It was fun to watch Michael Carter, Amari DiMercato, and just fun to watch this offense overall. Something you alluded to earlier, Rob, as far as the play calling, because how many times in recent years when the run game wasn't going well, you would abandon the run, even if you were down one or two scores. Cardinals this season, Rob, down a couple of scores. We're still running the ball in the third, early in the fourth quarter, because... Might not work earlier in the game, but you use those first quarter runs to set up something in the third or fourth quarter. And I got to tell you, you also give the defense a little rest. And, and uh, you know, those defensive players, you know, I'm a former defensive player. You get over to the sidelines, you get a cup of water, and they're yelling for the punt team. Man, <laughs> come on, I just got right. over here. Yeah. You know, run some clock off a little bit. You know, <laughs> give us a break. <laughs> So, you know, anytime the offense can do that, anytime you, you can really control the clock and, and limit, uh, which is another uh, thing that really doesn't get talked about enough, but limit the number of possessions that the other team gets, um, that, that's doing a lot. And, and even if, the, even if the, the drive isn't ultimately successful, at least you're, you're chewing up clock, you're, you're limiting possessions, and you're giving that defense some break. Rob, why is it that the defense reacts – with such um, splendor to a, uh, to their own teammate or running back, making either a DB look stupid or plowing through a defender, blowing someone up. I mean, I can go back two decades when Beanie Wells used to just destroy a guy, when Edron James used to do that. Now it's James Conner, but it's amazing how fired up the defensive guys get when they're watching up on the Jumbotron and one of their own running backs blows up an opposing defender. Why is that? Why did they react with such, with such splendor to that? Well, I think I think running backs, it's a kindred spirit, right? I think a running back is a lot like a defensive player in terms of mentality. So, they, you know, they, they, they naturally are gravi gravitated towards running backs. But, two, I think um, they like to, to see their, our own running back player, defensive players. We like to see our own running back uh, make some other guys look foolish. 
because you know we're out there and sometimes we, we get put in that position. So as a defender, you like you like to see your your running back have success and and to uh, sometimes either run over or, or juke a, a defender and and make them look a little silly. Because that Philly game, you mentioned the one handed catch, right? I mean, the whole sideline just went bananas. The one handed catch by James Conner in the back of the end zone. The other one was the Michael Carter where he broke the ankles of the DB. I, we're in Philly. That was like Allen Iverson-esque with one of those crossovers. That's what Michael Carter did. That, and guys just ate that up. Speaking of Michael Carter, Autry Denson last week on the Big Red Rage on what he thinks about Carter. Michael Carter has a passion for playing the game. And when you watch him, he's fun to watch because he's having fun. And so one of the things I did for the guys uh, – I don't mind saying this is I got them a framed picture, each of them, just something to remember. And my wife, the first thing that jumps out on him is as he's running, he has a smile so big on his face. <laughs> and so that's it's, it's funny that that is Mike. He smiles and plays like during the game. He is smiling as he is playing. Wow. And that's just his passion for the game. The voice of Autry Denson, Cardinals running backs coach, a guest last week on the Big Red Rage. Go to the archives to hear the full interview because Coach Denson is very good at what he does and a great conversation Paul Yu and Ron Wolfley had with him last week. And he's not lying. Carter always had a smile on his face, especially since leaving the New York Jets. I think he has found a home here in Arizona. Mentioned the day after the season that he was planning on staying here throughout the entire offseason. He likes being here. He was given opportunities here. Almost averaged seven yards a carry in the six games that he played. And it does give the Cardinals a nice one-two punch. Kind of that power versus the speed although if you talk to both of them they kind of talk to Carter he says hey I can run like James Conner just not as big as James Conner and he had a great career at North Carolina and he was highly thought of with the Jets but then with the Jets and the dysfunction and he fell down the depth chart and then it was sort of a mutual thing he wanted playing time and opportunity elsewhere and I still remember he showed up in Arizona he said yeah my travel day yesterday it's one of the few days in the last decade where I didn't actually practice football like he is all in He's a complete baller. So to hear that he had a smile on his face, because that's the dude in the locker room. He walks around, he needles guys, he's always floating around, and, he, and he's, he's having conversations. He never stops talking. On the sideline, he's that way. He's an energy guy. But to have a smile on your face while running the football in an NFL game, that is next level. Have you ever spotted or seen that, Rob, as you're trying to tackle a ball carrier and all of a sudden they just got this big grin like they know something that you don't? No, I've never seen that. Um, I would like to know what Paul's face is on the, on the you know the sideline reporter. Stop it. I, I'm guessing. Stop pe- it. I'm guessing. Yeah. Pensive. Yeah. Uh, you're telling me that when Barry Sanders was shaking you down, Rob, in the open field, he wasn't smiling. He didn't give you a wry smile. He's boom. He gave you the the, the 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 dead leg, and then boom, he was gone. I was just looking at a face full of sod <laughs> from my from my helmet being in the grass <laughs> after he juked me. Cardinals season ticket priority list 2024 home opponents include the Bears, Chargers, Patriots, Jets, Lions, Commanders, and of course the NFC West. For more information to join, azcardinals.com forward slash priority list. That's azcardinals.com forward slash priority list. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. How you doing, man? Doing good. Uh-huh. Congratulations. Appreciate you. Are you going to come in here and deny the ball or what? Hell yeah, I'm going to do that. I know it. it. How you doing? This is Monty Austin Port from the Cardinals. Yes, sir. What uh, what are you doing? Where are you at? 
I'm in Charlotte, man. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah? You got some people around you? You hang? Who you hanging out with? I <laughs> my family, my friends, all that, man. Yeah, you got your family and your friends? Well, guess what? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're about yes, to tell me you're going to be an Arizona Cardinal, buddy. Yes, sir. Let's do it, man. Let's hey, do it, man. Let's hey, go to we, work. We are, we are excited that we're going to get you in here. You remember, yes, that, uh, you remember that meeting we had with you at the Combine? Yes, sir. Man, you're made of the stuff we, that we're looking for, bud. With the 72nd pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Garrett Williams, defensive back, Syracuse. Never get tired of listening to those draft calls. You heard Jonathan Gannon, Monty Austin Ford speaking with Garrett Williams, the third-round draft pick out of Syracuse University, the 72nd overall pick. And, yes, we are officially now into the offseason where the scouting combine begins one week from today and then, of course, free agency and the draft. But this is now where players, you talked about it earlier, how long of a season it is for those juniors and seniors in college who declare, get drafted. There is no downtime because now you're prepping for interviews, you're prepping for individual drills. It's a job interview, and it begins right now. It's the biggest job interview of your life. And and for these guys that are lucky enough to be invited to the Combine, this is their chance to shine. Um, and it's it's not just on the field. You know, you see that um, on, on the television. You see them running and doing the drills. But more of it is done in the hotel lobby um, and, and in the conference rooms and in the meeting rooms with the coaches and the, and the general managers, players, uh, you know, going in there for one-on-one and, and uh, discussing – uh, maybe maybe it's it's breaking down. You know what what offense or defense? Uh, walk me through a play. Uh, draw it up for me on the grease board. Uh, talk me talk to me about uh, the philosophies, the offensive and defensive philosophies that he had in college. Um, you know, so th- there's a lot that goes into it um, from the mental aspect. But for me, uh, when I went to the combine, the hardest thing I think was was the physical. The, 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 it's an entire day of, of medical. You're basically going from team doctor to team doctor to team doctor, 32 of them. And, um, and if, if anything is, is questionable on, in their minds, you're going to the hospital, you're going, uh, or you're going to the imaging uh, exam, and, and you're going to get – I mean, I, I, I made the mistake of being honest <laughs> uh, at, at, at the combine at, at, with the physical. I made the mistake of being honest. I'm the one guy – that said, uh, have you ever had? They said, have you ever had any uh, uh, neck issues? Uh, well, uh, well, I, I did get a stinger. I was getting stingers my whole career, you know, in, in college even. And uh, but I did say I did have one stinger. Well, red flag, MRI, uh, CT, FBI, CIA, DEA, every every acronym you can think of. I spent the entire day at an imaging lab. I, th- I think I still got. Uh, frequent flyer miles from the imaging lab but i mean you cannot you know somebody's got to school these these kids somebody's got to get with them and tell them do do not say anything do not say anything negative about your health it's become information gathering and any little thing because you can see it on tape but now you're getting to know the person behind what you see on tape and 
questions get asked, and now all of a sudden it's background research on every single prospect. By the way, 321 prospects invited to this year's upcoming scouting combine in Indianapolis. Well, there's the known and the unknown. So the town evaluators, they, they can see the film. They can assess what sort of player you are between the white lines. They have the measurables. Okay, is he equipped? Does he have the skill set? But what's the mind all about? What's the heart all about? You hear it said a lot. You know, you miss more often on the person, on the human, than you do the player. So they're trying to assess that. Obviously, it's highly subjective. In today's world, so many of these prospects are coached up. I mean, Rob, where was your agent in this? He should have coached you up. You should have had, you know, you should have had a prepared answer to every single question. You know, it should have been like, you know, a cross-examination. You should have been ready to go in the witness chair. He's fired. No, (laughs) you know, back then, back in 1993, um, well, it was, yeah, 94, there, there, there. This was before the internet, Paul. If you, if you can imagine <laughs> that, right. okay. Yes, Dating ourselves here, okay. Yeah. So th- it wasn't like you could just go to a link and and look at all of the drills that they ask you to do at the combine. You you had it, nobody really knew. Nobody knew how to prepare for it back then. So um, I was lucky enough to have you know have somebody that that knew the drills and and so we you know we'd practice them and but. Um, back then, it was you're going into that really blind. Yeah. So, uh, th- but they got it dialed in now. They have, they have uh, uh, fitness centers now that are devoted specifically to combine type type exercises and drills, and and so the players are all well tuned in terms of what is expected of them. But you heard Monty Ford at the end of that clip cite the meeting, the one on one, the 15 minute meeting the Cardinals decision makers had with Garrett Williams at last year's combine. And Garrett Williams mentioned that on a Big Red Rage we had him on this year. So I followed up a few days ago. Jonathan Gannon and Monty Asenfort met Cardinals fans at an event. And, and I asked Monty about that meeting. What was it? And Jonathan Gannon actually chimed in as well. It was at the end of a very long day at the Combine. So they, they had done like 100 interviews that day. They're dragging. They need something to eat. They, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, the very last interview of the day at like 10 at night was Garrett Williams. And he came in and he wowed them. He said both of them got up to the edge of their seat. They're all like, wow, where did this kid come from? And then all the, he was really engaged. He was really intense. He was really thoughtful, high IQ, knew the game, wanted to know more from them. He was asking them questions. By the end of the 15 minutes, he left the room. And Jonathan Gannon and Monty Asavort, according to what they told the fans, looked at each other and said, we got to try and get that guy. Because they already knew about him as a player. And when they found out about him as a person, it clinched the, de- the decision that if he was available at the right spot in the draft, boom, they were going to pull the trigger, and that's exactly what they did. And they did it with the 72nd overall pick in the third round. The importance of the combine. Let's take you back to last year's combine. GM Monty Austin Ford on why the combine is so important. The most important thing is the medical evaluations and having our doctors and having our trainers getting a chance to examine the players and just finding out where they are physically. And really the second most important thing that I get out of this is the face-to-face time when we interview with the players, um, both in the, in the formal settings and the informal meetings that our coaches are doing. And then we'll get into the workouts as well. Those are important, but I'd, I'd put the medical and the interviews up above the, uh, the on-field workouts. By the way, speaking of the on-field workouts, some 30 years ago, Rob Fredrickson at the 1994 Combine ran a 4.6940. 4.63. 4.63? We'll go with that. So you're saying someone 
That's right. It's fine. Slower on the uh, stopwatch. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, but it's 6'3", 242. I mean, he's moving. 35-inch vertical. By the way, these are numbers that you could still, like, if we just, behind you, at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center, the field's outside. Mm-hmm. Rob, you'd run a 4'6 and jump 35 inches, right? You could still pull that off? No? I couldn't jump over this piece of paper. <laughs> That's pretty good, though. 35-inch vertical at your size. So, uh, did you rip off some dunks in high school basketball? I did. I could dunk any way I wanted to. But, you know, the, the one thing about the combine and, and the physical aspect of it and the drills and, and, and these measurables, they're all great. And, and you're right. Monty, Monty's right. You know, probably the, the most important is, is the, uh, the physical, the, the medical side, and then the interviews, getting to know the player, what he's all about, what makes him tick. Um, you know, you can, you can jump 35 inches, but if you can't make a tackle, um, what good are you? You know, so um, really uh, more than anything, more than, more, even more than the physical and more than the interview, it's really about assessing the player. How does he play football? That's kind of what we're all here for. It's football. And so that to me is the most important. That's, that means going through every, every piece of film you've had for him for his however many years he's been in college, making visits to practice uh, during the season uh, your area scouts uh, maybe maybe your GM I don't know GM probably wouldn't be able to get to schools but you, you certainly your area scouts getting in there and watching these guys and how they interact and how they play and how they practice yeah some of these drills I mean offensive linemen I don't care how fast they run the 40 quarterbacks running the 40 and remember you're doing all these drills without pads on yeah yeah it, it still comes down to can you play look at Puka Nakua fifth round pick this past year can you play was he great in the combine no but he certainly had enough size had enough physicality he certainly made a lot of dbs look stupid amon ross st brown got named to the all pro team this year fourth round pick a few years ago said he can name all 16 receivers drafted ahead of him be looking for guys who can play ultimately and do they have the passion for the game to match that talent Scouting Combine one week from today, the drafts in April, but in between, you got free agency. We'll touch on that as we continue. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Gilligan to punt, high in the air, far side. It bounces at the five, and the Cardinals down it at the three. Great punt. Gilligan put it on an island. <laughs> Where's the skipper? <laughs> Ginger, Marianne. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Gilligan. What a perfect punt, man. Once again, you give me a punter, baby. You give me a punter and a defense, and I'll be in every game. Cardinals did have a very good punter in Blake Gilligan. Not Gilligan, dating ourselves. They passed Ron Wolfley on that play call. But, hey, a solid, solid comedy back in the day. What's <laughs> ironical is that I got in this morning and on Twitter, Gilligan's Island was trending. I still have no idea why. Uh, there's one saying, I guess, that's popular. On Gilligan's Island, they listen to the professor, not the millionaire, meaning the IQ. Uh, you know, they, So, mm. uh, you know what? It's better to be smart than necessarily loaded, especially in times of duress. <laughs> When you need followers, right? So, but yeah, I have no idea why it's how trending. Long, no how clue. Long, how long do you think Dave Pash uh, took to, to come up with that? <laughs> he he, know, he was it. waiting. He was just waiting yeah, to say that. That's one. true. He he probably had that written down on his spotting board. <laughs> you know, he probably cheated. He had a little teleprompter going. Gilligan, 
set a franchise record averaging 50.6 yards per punt, which was third in the league. And why are we talking about the punter? Well, besides the fact that it's Paul's favorite position to discuss no. in the offseason. No, it's Wolf and John Bloom. Go ahead. Gillikin is a unrestricted free agent. In fact, he's one of 17 the Cardinals have, whether that's defense, offense, or special teams. Aaron Brewer, also an unrestricted free agent. Now, the Cardinals can sign any one of their own unrestricted free agents before the new league year begins on March 13th. Whether that happens, who knows, but there are a handful of players, Rob, that I think the Cardinals would like back, probably more rotation pieces, especially along the defensive front. And then the biggest name that's an unrestricted to be is Hollywood Brown. I'm not sure his future with the Cardinals or elsewhere, but he did not have a great season statistically, though you talk to him, which we did towards the end of the season, he's pleased with what he put on tape. That connection between quarterback just sometimes wasn't always there, whether it was first with Josh Dobbs and then later with Kyler Murray. Those quarterback and receiver just never could quite get on the same page often enough for Hollywood Brown this year. Yeah, I mean, looking at looking at the Arizona Cardinals unrestricted free agents, um, you know, there, there's there's some names on here. Um, obviously, Hollywood Brown jumps out at you. That's 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 the big name. He talked about uh, Blake Gilligan. You you know, that's that's a punter. That's important. It, and Wolf mentioned it. You know, you punter and a defense that can bail out uh, your team a lot if if you really can flip the field and change the positioning of the, of the game. So, uh, punter is important, but. Looking at this list, the, and this is no indictment on these players, but um, you know, kind of maybe sub out Hollywood Brown. This is this is a list of of depth guys for the most part, and and um, they're important. They're the backbone of the team. You know, I, I look at guys like like Ezekiel Turner. Um, yeah, I want that guy back bad. You know, I I love guys like that on special teams, and he can he can play some good linebacker too when when needed. So. Um, there, 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 there are some guys in here that that have played significant. Um, you know, Elijah Wilkinson, starter. You know, but but by and large, these are these are depth guys and guys that, yeah, you want you want to sign them back. But I think that that looking at this, the, these are guys that you're going to allow to to go step out and and to go uh, have a look around and and to see what's out there in terms of uh, you know what the market is and and uh, allow them to go do that and you know if they come back and um, you're able to get to an agreement, fine. But I, I I don't think the Cardinals are in a position or a desire to to reach on on some guys at at this point. I I really think. Um, they're going to allow these guys to to go out and explore free agency and and see what the market is, and um, the Cardinals are are going to keep things kind of close to the vest. You know, there's two guys that didn't make it out of September, but they really flashed early in the year. That's L.J. Collier and Carlos Watkins, and yeah. that's probably your biggest position group of need. You need numbers, you need depth. I'd love to see those two guys back in a similar situation, another one year prove it deal. Let's see what they have in camp, see what they look like in August. Bring those guys in. Antonio Hamilton at the end of the year was your best corner. Now, in an ideal situation, he's your third or fourth corner. Corner, he's your nickel or dime guy, but he's so versatile. He has good size, great leader. I mean, has the perfect mentality, always competing. And so I'd love to see Antonio Hamilton back in some capacity. And then you also have, you know, Aaron Brewer, the fact that you never said his name once all year. 
And that's the biggest compliment you can pay a long snapper. So I don't know what his future is exactly. All I know is he's beyond steady. And the one year, 2017, when the Cardinals went from a veteran to a rookie uh, long snapper, that was an adventure, and they had to go back to a veteran midseason. A couple other names, Chris Barnes, Josh Woods, two inside linebackers. That was a position that there was some emphasis put on in the offseason, along with Kaiser White. And then Jeff Swain. In that tight end room, a veteran, I don't think you're looking for a pass catcher, but someone who can block and then provide some veteran leadership with a Trey McBride and everyone else in that room. Yeah, the young guys called him Coach Swain. Okay, 30-year-old in there, been there, done that. And in this offense where the tight end, multiple tight end sets, and you're expected to block – He's still that guy. He can still more than hold his own at the point. And even at times we saw him as the third or fourth receiving option, and he has sure enough hands to keep a defense on us. So you need numbers at tight end. And if Swaim is back, uh, I think that's definitely a plus for that room. The front seven, though, for me, Rob, is where I do think dollars need to be spent. And it's a conversation we can have multiple times this offseason. But getting to the quarterback – this Cardinals team did not have success late in the year, whether that's on the defensive line or an edge rusher. That's where this defense really needs an upgrade. Yeah, and if you, you kind of follow the old uh, Philadelphia Eagles model from, from Jonathan Gannon, where he came from, is that's where they, they built the team from the inside out. So defensive line, interior defensive line, edge rushers, creating pressure on the quarterback. Um, that, 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 to me, is, is really where this defense uh, will look to first. Games are over. Now it's about the roster and constructing a roster for 2024. Special thanks, everyone behind the scenes. Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Ali Narini. For Rob Fredrickson, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Rayaloo. This has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. It is caught by McBride, and it's a touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.